This podcast is brought to you by HealthCareInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within the healthcare industry. This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking about managing business associate relationships with Christopher Howerhan, Manager of Development and Programs at the Health Information Trust Alliance. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thanks, Howard. For starters, why don't you just tell us briefly about HITRUST? The Health Information Trust Alliance is uh, an industry group that was established in late 2008, early 2009, and uh, HITRUST developed a common security framework for the healthcare industry. And it, the CSF establishes a comprehensive set of security controls and requirements for organizations with respect to information security and compliance. Uh, since then, HITRUST has developed a CSF assurance program, uh, which sets forth a methodology and set of tools and resources for organizations wishing to conduct an assessment against the CSF um, and also against general risks to the industry. Working closely with business associates is a critical component of a health information breach prevention strategy. Based on your experience, what are the most important questions to ask business associates regarding their policies and strategies for keeping protected health information secure? First, I think it's uh, important to note that organizations should be asking their business associates about how they secure PHI in the first place. Uh, many organizations today do no inquiry and rely solely on uh, a business associate agreement to manage security. Um, this strategy may be appropriate for small healthcare organizations or business associates providing limited services, but if you're talking about uh, a hosting provider or a key service provider that you know, houses a lot of PHI or provides um, really fundamental core services for the organization, then it's absolutely important that some sort of due diligence be conducted uh, against the business associate's security program. So if you're going to be asking questions, um, you know, what, what needs to be asked? Uh, well, I would say that first and foremost, uh, I would ask uh, my business associate if they have had a risk assessment performed in the last year and if they can provide a copy of the results of that risk assessment. Uh, I would also ask if they have a corrective action plan uh, associated with that risk assessment just to validate that not only do they understand where their risks are, they're you know, actively doing something to remediate those, those risks. If there's no assessment or if there's no corrective action plan, then you know, some red flags need to be raised. Some more uh, in-depth analysis of the organization's program needs to be performed based on the organization's own security requirements or against some sort of set of requirements like HITRUST provides. Um, and then depending on the, you know, the adequacy of the assessment and the scope of the assessment, uh, and the results of that assessment, I would also look into you know, some of the high-risk areas for the healthcare organization and healthcare industry, as well as the business associate, depending on, again, the type of services provided or sort of the nature of the business associate and that relationship. Um, these may include, um, you know, as you mentioned, an information security policy review um, and, and the adequacy of those policies, uh, also you know, procedures supporting the policies, so how the organization actually implements those security policies, and it also includes, you know, other high-risk areas like mobile media security, laptop security, core areas that the healthcare industry has been um, dealing with that have been resulting in large breaches or a high number of breaches, and then the controls that the business associate 
has in place to um, address those areas, technical controls that they have in place to address those areas, uh, you know, such as encryption or DLP solutions. Um, and the areas you're going to look at also depend, uh, as I mentioned before, on the nature of the relationship. So if you have a business associate who's hosting or serving information, providing infrastructure, then you definitely want to look at how they manage that infrastructure. Um, do they patch regularly? Do they have standard configurations based on industry guidance? Um, and do they monitor for vulnerabilities on, on a regular basis? Hytrus provides a, a full list of high-risk areas, things that you would want to evaluate, so I won't go into an exhaustive list here, but um, I will mention uh, lastly that you would also want to uh, make sure that you're evaluating your business associates' management of their business associates. Um, in, in many cases, a business associate will subcontract to uh, another vendor, another third party, uh, and you would want to uh, understand, one, if they were doing that, and two, what does their program look like, what is their policies, and what are their procedures for managing their own BAs? Um, are they doing something similar to, to you as a healthcare organization in your inquiry, or are they relying solely on contracts, or are they not doing anything? Those are the, some of the, the core areas that I see needing to be evaluated in addition to perhaps some, some other areas that, that maybe HITRUST defines or you know, other, other industry standards like NIST define. Can you give us a few examples of details that should be included in business associate agreements regarding the prevention of breaches as well as breach notification responsibilities? Business associate agreements, from my experience, have traditionally, from a security perspective, focused on requiring that, that BAs adhere to and implement the administrative, technical, and physical safeguards of the HIPAA security rule. And traditionally, that was, that was okay, um, you know, but today it, it really is not particularly useful given that BAs are now directly responsible for implementing those safeguards and complying with the HIPAA security rule. Uh, also, the, the the HIPAA rule itself is you know at a pretty high level. So when you when you require an organization and a business associate agreement to implement administrative, technical, and physical safeguards, you know that that's a pretty ambiguous set of requirements, and your expectations may not really uh, align with the business associate expectations, and that that can just cause issues, and it can also result in noncompliance and violations and, and breaches of PHI. So I think. BAAs to be truly valuable need to specify a greater level of detail than what is required of, you know, just pointing to the HIPAA security rule. Um, the organization should, you know, specify details in the form of its own information security policies and requirements, uh, or again, reference out to something like, uh, you know, high trust or another standard baseline and, and just say, you know, meet these requirements, business associate, and, and, and you'll satisfy my own requirements. Um, in either case, uh, again, you should you should probably reference out to to what those requirements are. Reference out to your own security policy, and then in an addendum or you know through another means, supply the the policy and, and the expectations there. Or again, reference out to high trust, and then and then supply those more specific requirements outside the business associate agreement, just to keep the BAA clean and concise and, and focused. With respect to breach notification specifically, there definitely needs to be some explicit definition around when a notification from a BA is required and to whom they need to to notify. Uh, Who is the point of contact at your own organization that's going to be responsible for receiving the notifications and then escalating it up the internal chain of command? Um, And it it may just be um, for, for known breaches, but it also may be for suspected breaches, and it may be for breaches with 
uh, again, the organization's subcontractors. Um, so there's there's some definition that needs to be clearly stated uh, within the BAA around, uh, again, when a breach is, breach is known or suspected to be known and, uh, again, who to, who to contact. Uh, you're also going to want to specify very clearly the timeline uh, in terms of the expectation of the notification. The breach notification uh, rule or the, the interim rule um, sets forth uh, a 60-day ceiling for covered entities, but without unreasonable delay. Um, unfortunately, uh, the clock starts ticking when the breach occurs, and that breach may occur with the business associate. So if the business associate is not notifying the organization for 60 days, then that really leaves no time for the covered entity to conduct their own um, analysis and provide the notification out to the actual individuals or the media or the secretary. So um, to meet that requirement within the BAA, you would want to specify something much shorter, something on the order of, say, you know, five days uh, providing that notification, and then again, to, to whom to provide that notification. The HHS Office for Civil Rights recently unveiled a proposed accounting of disclosures rule that would require organizations to give patients an access report listing everyone who has viewed their records, including those at certain business associates. So what steps, if any, should organizations be considering now to ensure their business associates can provide an accounting about records access? This really is an issue centered around uh, logging of, of access and can a system support those, those particular logging requirements. The first step really is to understand the, the scope of, uh, of the issue, how many DAs does the organization have, and what access to patients' uh, records do they have. The, the accounting of disclosures rule is very focused on uh, the designated record set um, of, of the patient record there. So uh, understanding who are your BAs and then do they have access to the designated record set. And then I think that the, the next step there is to understand can, can that access be scaled back at all? Can I reduce the number of BAs that I have? Can I reduce the uh, amount of information that the BAs have? Or can I uh, encrypt the information or de-identify the information? And that really will reduce the burden on both the covered entity and then uh, on the business associate um, as well. And this may be something that the business associate even takes the lead on so that they don't have to deal with this, this burden themselves. But uh, once you understand the scope and once you've done everything that you can to potentially reduce that scope, and it may be a lot or maybe a little, um, then it would be a matter of actually engaging each of those BAs um, to, to ensure that they are starting the efforts to um, enable that logging or if they um, already have the logging, just to confirm that the logging is, is adequate in terms of when and what is being logged. Um, the, the covered entity does have the option in the, um, in the proposed rulemaking that um, they can simply provide the contact information of the BAs and then the patient would be responsible for reaching out to that BA and, and getting that specific set of accounting of disclosures from that BA or those multiple BAs depending on um, depending on the scenario. So the covered entity, they don't have to spend any time, resources, dollars to ensure that the BA is compliant. It's, it's up to the BA to do that. But uh, again, I would want to, uh, as a covered entity, ensure that BAs are aware of their requirements and that they are doing something to actively uh, address, uh, address those requirements. Once you understand that and once you've confirmed that BAs are, are doing something, I think from a BA perspective and even a covered entity perspective, uh, as, as they react to these changes as well, the first step really is to uh, identify 
you know, what logging is being performed and is it at the appropriate times. Um, basically, am I able to generate a log when someone accesses a record or when someone prints a record or when someone creates or updates a record? Uh, can I simply, you know, create a log at that time? And then from there, it would be, can I capture the appropriate information in the log? So when someone reads a record, uh, can I capture who the user was that accessed that record, who the target was, what the patient was of that record, uh, what PHI was accessed, and uh, when the access or when the um, the update or the print uh, occurred, and then why that access was was necessary. Does, does this person have a valid reason for being able to access that record, and does the organization have a valid reason for for accessing that record or creating that record or updating that record? Um, those are the the components of the logs that that need to be captured as well. And I think because the final rule has not yet been defined, it, it's really going to be a delicate balancing act of doing enough to prepare and, and meet the deadlines, but not doing uh, more than ultimately will be required or or something that may be changed. And you spent all this time doing something, and it's no longer a requirement. So um, I think I think really if you focus on can the logs be generated at the appropriate points of time, and by that time, perhaps the the what that needs to be captured will be more clearly defined, and, and you can focus on that, as that will probably be a bigger effort than simply generating the records in the first place. Okay, finally, do you have any other advice on how to better manage business associate relationships to ensure patient information is adequately protected? Beyond what I've already mentioned, I would just recommend really defining a formal vendor management program uh, within the organization. So clearly setting the policy and the procedures for uh, engaging with vendors, um, the expectations uh, around, from a security perspective, around what the what the vendor needs to meet or what they should be meeting, and then how to actually go about um, validating that um, upfront prior to the contract signing, and then on a continual basis um, thereafter. And, and really, this is going to be a uh, you know a risk-based program, and it really should be a risk-based program to provide some flexibility for. Um, business associates that are small and, and not very sophisticated and really have a, a limited impact on the organization as a whole. And, you know, they don't need to, to have a third-party review conducted every every year, but um, you would need, you know, again, your large hosting provider to conduct that third-party independent review every year and provide the results to that organization. So, again, clearly defining the different classifications of business associates, the expectations of those business associates within each classification, and then and then really just executing on that on that program will help, really help to bring some some definition and some consistency and some standardization to organizations' approaches to managing business associates. And HITRUST again provides some some guidance and some resources um, to organizations to make this easier. And uh, you know other standards, best practices out there like NIST provide uh, additional guidance. Well, thanks very much. We've been talking today with Chris Harhan of HITRUST. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by healthcareinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.healthcareinfosecurity.com.